Good morning, Marian Methodist. My name is Carol McNeil, and I will be reading the scripture today, which is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Good morning, Marian Methodist. I'm Pastor Mike Morgan, and I wanted to show you just visually that we are indeed wearing masks and gloves in the church, and from now until we uh, end, that is this uh, crisis, that is how we're going to work in here. So unless you're speaking in a microphone in here, the 10 of us that are in here, uh, including in the back, are wearing masks. Hey, I sent you an email earlier this week and uh, told you uh, on Wednesday night that we're going to do a love feast today. And so you're going to need some elements. If you haven't got them, you can see mine that are here on the altar. Um, you're supposed to have a bread of some sort, not not communion wine or bread like that, but I have my wheat thins, and I have uh, Jason's donut, and of course I have my morning drink, which is always coffee. So if you don't have those things, you might want to get them uh, for the end of our service. This is a week, as you heard Kelsey say on the video earlier, where we do our Lenten moments. It's a tradition we do here, and we didn't want to break our traditions here, even though we're set apart in a different kind of uh, timeline. So we're going to do the tradition of 7 a.m. Lenten moments. But here's the cool thing. There's going to be a chat function, so if you're watching them on the YouTube, you can back and forth, and uh, one of our staff people, Jenny, is going to be back and forth with you if you want to. And really cool, for those of you that never got to go to Lenten moments because you're night owls, they're available anytime after 7 o'clock in the morning, so you can watch them later uh, if that's what you need. Now, I am going to ask one thing of you before I go right into our sermon. We're going to do videos next week in, in service, a little like we do with the Palm Sundays, but here's what I need. You know that every year on Easter, I say during worship, Christ is risen, and I want you to say He is risen indeed. But you're not going to be here next week, so you won't be able to say He is risen indeed live uh, for everyone to hear. So what I'd like you to do 
is in your own home, kind of pretend like I've said Christ is risen, and you and your family or you alone, take, turn your camera sideways, you got to do the horizontal function, say, he is risen indeed, and then easily send that, um, that video to Jenny Wildman at marionmethodist.org. You see that on the screen. Those are the little things I wanted to add. And I want to go right to the sermon today. We love parades. I love parades. Well, wouldn't you like to go to a parade right now, today? I mean, I'm standing in the sanctuary. This is live in real time. So in Marion, it is a beautiful day, a gorgeous day. Wouldn't you love to be lying in 7th Avenue with your feet hanging down and, and all the things of a parade right now? Wouldn't you like to get out of the house, get your bag chair, be out in the fresh air? Right now, wouldn't you love to, to hear the sounds of, uh, of the Marion or Linmar band coming down the block? Wouldn't you love to feel those hard candies? thrown around your feet that just explode and get all over your socks. Wouldn't you love to see the queen of, you know, whatever, going down, waving ever so properly? Let's be honest. I got to tell you right now, I love my home. I love being with my spouse. But right now, most every single one of us would love to shake hands with a politician. We'd even love to shake hands with a politician, even one from the other party. We'd love that right now. Wouldn't you love to go to a parade right this minute? I know most of us would, but I want to tell you an important thing about a parade. You can't have a parade alone. You cannot have a parade alone. If you have a parade alone, it's just called a walk. And the reason that we had this palm pickup the other day is you can't parade alone. We wanted people to come by. You saw the pictures on the screen. That's the reason for them. Even if you were just waving palms in your own home, it was so wonderful to socialize us and make us, those of us that, I mean, we're spread like five of us out in this sanctuary. So it felt like we were at your parade. It was wonderful. We prayed for many reasons. We love to have a parade for the 4th of July. We, we prayed at the 4th of July to celebrate that we're part of the greatest country in the world and we, we celebrate and commemorate the cost to keep it that way. We also have lots of other prayers. We prayed to celebrate our heritage. You know, a few weeks ago, um, it would have been normally to everybody dress up in green and have the St. Patrick's Day parade in Chicago. They paint the river green. Back in Cedar Rapids growing up, we used to always have the St. Joseph's Day parade. Everybody would wear red because he's the patron saint of Czechoslovakia. And of course, Cinco de Mayo in Mexico where they wear red and green and have big parades. We love parades just to have parades. And sometimes there's victory parades too. We love to pray to celebrate a great victory. I know that some of you chief fans are just in seventh heaven, even just seeing this slide. I mean, hundreds of thousands of you came out on a February day, for goodness sakes, in Kansas City, Missouri, to celebrate the chief's great victory. Now, before you guys start sending me emails, I, directly I want to talk to Kirk and Brian and Dana and Corey. Save your emails. Why? Don't send me an email and say, why didn't you put a Cowboy Super Bowl parade up there, Pastor Mike? Were there no cameras that long ago? Were all the pictures in only black and white? Just save it. Be happy with what you got. And sometimes we have parades just because of happiness. Here's a parade that many of you have seen in person. It's Disney downtown. This is the parade that parents celebrate. They love to stand beside that and say, look at those great parade things and say, we have no more money. And this is parade day in the Christian church. We parade to the glorious deeds of Christ. At Marian Methodist, we are covered 
with the coronavirus and we're yearning for a parade. In a normal year at church, we'd have filled all five of these aisles with children singing Hosanna and waving those palms. Today in Nicaragua, they, they celebrate what's called Semana Santos, which means Holy Week. And they put a statue of Jesus on a donkey and they run all through the cities like Managua and Granada in Nicaragua, praising God in Tanzania, East Africa. The artisans there tie their palms into the sign of a cross and they walk in front of the parade. And there, as you see the parade in Israel, hundreds of thousands of people walk the walk of the Palm Sunday procession, following the same route that Jesus walked from Bethany to Bethphage, up over the Mount of Olives, down the Kidron Valley, and ending at the gates of the Temple Mount. This is the apex. This is the high point of Jesus' earthly ministry. It was a parade This parade declares who Jesus is, and it starts first and foremost by saying, He is the Messiah. The parade states His identification. There are 356 prophecies in the Old Testament that all are fulfilled in the life of Jesus, beginning with His virgin birth, continuing on to the very name that the angel gives Joseph to give him, which is Jesus, which means the Lord saves carrying on to the title that he receives, Emmanuel, as we see in Isaiah and other prophets. But Joseph himself was told that this one, this son, would be called Emmanuel, which means God God is with us. And then, of course, he's called the son of David. Now, we know he's not a literal descendant of of, of David because he comes from the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have that biological link to David, but he is a descendant of the promise made to David. We find this promise in Psalm 113. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place upon the throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. Jesus is the only king whose authority is strengthened by his subjects. See, normally kings are forced upon us. They conquer, and then they command. They take over a land, and then they're in command of that land. But not this king, not the king that we all across the world subscribe to. This king comes with humility and service, service that will end him on the cross. Make no mistake about it, because sometimes people miss this because of Christ's humble service. He is of infinite power, and he will not force you to be a subject to his will. He will not force that on you. And Jerusalem, the holy city, must receive Jesus as king. Any subject of Christ must choose to crown him. And just as we have been saying this prayer throughout Advent, I cannot do this alone. He cannot do this alone. He is the Savior for sure. And that's why the people say, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us now or please save us. And Jesus only rescues those who are in need of rescue. I'm reminded of the old story. There was a fellow laying face down on the street and his head was hanging down into a manhole and there were 
cords running down into that manhole and a, and a young woman who had just finished her nurse's training and she knew all of the first aid and stuff. And she saw this man laying there face down on the street with all these cords and she thought, oh my gosh, something terrible has become, uh, has come to him. And so she ran over to him, grabbed him by the belt and the shoulder, flipped him over, grabbed his hands, got on his chest and started administering CPR right on his chest. And he was kind of surprised and he, he kind of looked at her and she said, are you okay? And he says, yes, ma'am. And she, he says, what are you doing? She says, I'm giving you CPR. I thought you were dying. He says, no, I'm just here holding the light for Joe down the manhole. He didn't need saving. But we all do. Jesus only saves those that are in need of a rescue. And this is why he came to earth. Because we all need a rescue. Now, he will not save you without your consent. He will not. Billy Graham was often quoted saying this very simplistic sentence. The Lord is a gentleman. He only comes where he is invited. The Palm Sunday parade that comes down from the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley and up the holy, to the holy city cries out, Hosanna, please save us. This is an invitation that Jesus cannot and will not reject. He cannot save you without your participation. Jesus walked down that hill and up the next hill, ending at the golden gate at the Temple Mount. This is what he was facing. He had to get off his donkey and walk through that gate and up to the Temple Mount. Now the parade today, don't miss this, don't make it hard. The parade today is the same. It ends in the same place. Hear yourself in this. The parade ends at a gate. And as you can you could see from that picture, that gate there had been blocked in. But closed gates are a fence or a wall. That's all they are. That's what a closed gate is. It's part of a fence or part of a wall. It can keep out the uninvited. And it keep, can keep in the way of life of the people that are behind that gate. Now, open gates are a passageway. They let in all that have been invited in. They embrace the way of life that's greater than the one that they can conjure up on their own. So please don't make it hard. You'll get it, don't you? You understand the imagery, right? The gate, that represents your life. It represents where you might be right now. And the parade is Jesus' call to your life. And to what action you might take on the gate. The Palm Sunday prayed, asked the simple question, is your gate open? You can reject it and say, I can do life alone. You know, we hear this expression in our world all the time. I'm good. <laughs> I have no anxieties. I have no fears, no worries. I'm good. I'm good for this life and whatever comes after this life. I need no help. You can reject Christ. And even if you've rejected Christ up to the moment that you happen upon this video or watching this live stream, I want to tell you a simple truth. You can reject Christ, but God will not rescind his invitation. God will remain open to your call, and he will not smash through the gate of your life. So when the question is asked, is your gate open, you can reject it or you can receive it and say, I, I cannot do this alone. I cannot do what's in front of us alone. 
You've discovered that life is better when lived in community, and you do not have to hope for your future. You can know it when you receive God into your life. See, I believe that many things about what's happening in our world right now, and I believe that for the church of Jesus Christ, COVID-19, this coronavirus, this adversity that's put on us, is an opportunity that is not to be wasted. It shall not be wasted. It can't be wasted. There is so much uncertainty. There's so much dissension and, and, and you know, brokenness in the world. Yet the opportunity here is to, to, to coronate, to coronate Christ as the king of your life. Jesus, the king, your savior, calls you through the screen you're watching right now, whether it's on your cell phone or your computer or TV. He's calling to you, be in community with me. He cannot do it alone, and nor can you do it alone. You cannot do life alone, so do it with me, calls Christ. And so I've, I've said from the beginning of this, that these are moments that the church cannot wait. And as a pastor, I believe that I would be negligent in my responsibilities and my opportunities if I didn't offer you salvation, not from me, but from Jesus Christ that I didn't offer you moments to, to receive your salvation or to renew your faith. Now, here's the thing. There is a benefit to what we're doing right now because if you were here in this sanctuary, there'd be a lot of eyes watching. There would be a lot of concern in your heart if you had to walk forward and kneel at this beautiful oak altar. But I want to tell you this, where you're at right now, there are no eyes watching you except the ones you have made or the ones you have chosen. Only your family. Only them. You're in the surroundings right now where you're most comfortable. Some of you don't even have real clothes on yet. You're still in your jams. You're in your place and you're in your comfort zone. And so I'm not going to hesitate and I'm not going to be negligent here. I just simply want to provide this opportunity that, to say, do you need a moment? Do you need, like I did, a moment on your calendar that you can type in or think through where, where you say, Jesus, I open the gate of my life to you that you might come in and I will crown you as the king of my life. Do you? Do you need that moment? I'm not going to pull back from this. If you need to get down on your knees in your living room or if you need to lay your arms on your bed or, or, or in your lawn chair, wherever you're at, if you, if you need to stand up and raise your hands in praise, if you need to lay down on your face, ain't, just do it right now because I want to do something very simplistic because I believe the Palm Sunday Parade is about calling us to claim that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. And so I'm going to offer a very simple prayer and it's going to have three basic elements to it. The first element is simply an element of confession where you open your heart wherever you're at in the place you're most comfortable with the people that you've known or made and just confess your sins. You can do it with your mouth if you want to. You can do it with your heart. Just be honest with God. He already knows, so be honest with God. And, and secondly, I'm going to add in that prayer this moment of thanksgiving to say thank you, God, because here's what we believe about God. The, God. the Christ that comes through the gate of our life, he doesn't come to smash down our sins. He comes to take it and put it on himself and let it be crucified on the cross with him. And so you can say, thank you, Jesus, for taking all my sins away and giving me new life. And then we'll close that prayer with an invitation of the Holy Spirit to come and fill our lives 
and to give us what we need. So I'm going to take, if you need to get somewhere different, if you need to do something, I'm going to ask you to do that right now because this is all we're going to do as we lead to our next element. So let us pray. God, I have no idea how many people are watching the live stream or watching this video a day from now, a year from now, a month from now, but I do know this. You came as the king of our lives and you offer us the chance to coronate you, to put your, our crown on your head. You won't rip it out of our hands. You've given us dominion over our own life and your hope is that we will give that dominion to you, that you will lead us and guide us in every moment. And so, Lord, here on this Palm Sunday moment morning, 2020, we just stop and we say this phrase in our prayers, Lord, I am sorry. I'm sorry for the way that I have broken your heart. I am sorry for the way that I have not followed you. I'm sorry for the mountain of sins that I have built even while you were calling to me. I'm sorry for every sin I've committed and I confess them to you now knowing that for sure you will take them all the way to that cross outside of Jerusalem and you have already beforehand preveniently taking them from me. So Lord, I'm sorry for every one of our sins, my sins. Lord Jesus, I can only say thank you. Thank you for removing these sins from my life. Will I sin again? It is probably true that I will, Lord, but, but thank you for taking the sins up to this moment and giving me the opportunity to confess to you daily. Thank you for giving me a, a, a new slate, a, a blank slate in which I can write with the freedom that you bless me, a new story that includes you as my king and the king of my life, and the one to whom I say, Lord, save me. And you have come and said, I save you. You cannot do life alone. I come to be in community with you. So thank you, Jesus, for taking our sin, my sins away. And please, Lord Jesus. Please, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Grant me your Holy Spirit that I might be filled in every moment that I might not just give my life to you, but that I might give my living to you. That I might be washed new every single day and live as a disciple of Christ for the betterment of your kingdom here in this world. In your name, I humbly pray for your coming into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.